I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody pig! We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to you! Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side of the phone. It is time to destroy them! I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? We've got a wonderful deal for Northern Ireland. Rishi Sunak said they are in an unbelievable position of being in the UK, but also having access to the single market in Europe. Isn't that amazing? See, this proves how little I understand about politics, because I thought that when the UK was in the European Union, all of the UK was in the UK and had access to the single market in Europe. But I must have got that wrong. The UK was actually in Trinidad and only had access to a scrapyard on the outskirts of South End. Rishi Sunak must wonder if he can arrange other international deals. He could suggest that Argentina becomes part of Argentina, which would put it in the unbelievable position of having access to Argentina. And then maybe we could do a similar deal with other parts of Britain, such as Scarborough. We could announce that the area between the castle and Quickfit will be in the single market. And then there could be a furious row for three years about where the border should be, with some people saying there should be a special customs area in Thoxenby. And this might threaten civil war with old tensions flaring up as far as Bridlington, but after a few years, it can all be resolved and we can announce a marvellous, wonderful deal and then move on to setting up a border between Whitby and Saltburn. Next week, Rishi Sunak can declare we've done a wonderful deal with refugees because we're going to bring one of them part of the way back from Rwanda as far as Morocco and that we've done an amazing deal with COVID because you know that £23 billion that we spent on a track and trace system that didn't work? We've got 40 quid of it back. It's in nectar points that can only be used at Argos. But what a deal. And you know those illegal parties that we had during lockdown? We've mopped up the sick. What an amazing deal for Britain. And then Putin can do the same. He can announce that he's arranged a wonderful deal for Ukraine as he's offered to go around one street in Kiev with a dustpan and brush and sweep up some of the rubble. Some people might remember that politicians such as Boris Johnson claimed we would get a better deal with Europe once we weren't in the European Union than we had when we were in it. And it's strange how it doesn't seem to have worked out that way, because you'd have thought it would have done. It was the same with my local gym. I used to be a member and they would let me in. And then I decided to leave and I assumed that once I'd left, I would then get a much better deal with them. I thought they'd come round to my house and make the bed and water the plants. So imagine how astonished I was when it turned out that after I left, they wouldn't even let me into the building, the bad-tempered bastards. And then when I decided to get divorced, it was even worse. I told everyone that I'd be free to have sex with all the neighbours, and that would mean I'd get on much better with my wife as well. And that was 10 years ago, and I'm still hoping to set up an arrangement with one of the neighbours any day soon. And my wife has just agreed to pass on some of my posts, which is an amazing absolutely amazing deal. But the marvellous thing about this Brexit game is we can all play it at home. Just do a huge turd on your favourite rug in the living room and then smear it all over the walls. And then six years later, sponge down one little bit that's gone on the fridge 
and you can announce that you've got a marvellous new deal for the kitchen. This week, there were calls for Tory MP Nadine Boris to hand back her £84,000 MP salary after it emerged that she hasn't spoken in the House of Commons for almost eight months. Nadine, the last time you spoke in the House of Commons was on July the 7th, and you've only turned up to vote twice since then. Do you think the public are getting value for money? Oh, who cares? I've got my own show on talk TV. Not like you, you fucking loser, with your 30 seconds on the BBC. I had Boris Johnson on my show. Have you interviewed him? Have you? Have you? Go on, have you? Yes, several times, actually. Oh, stop showing off. Is Boris going to make you a dame? I don't think so. You're not going to the House of Lords. You've got more chance of copping off with Frigid Annie, who worked at the Eagle. Aren't you letting down your constituents? Come outside and say that, you shithouse. I give 110% to the good people of Hertfordshire. You're the MP for Mid-Bedfordshire. Bedfordshire, Bedfordshire, who fucking cares? One of them soft southern places. I bet they're all in their beds by ten o'clock. I was out till 4am the other night. I was the last one standing and I had three kebabs on the night bus home without being sick. The only time you're up at four in the morning is because you've wet the bed and you want your teddy bear, you shithousey little shithouse. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Now, as anyone knows who has ever, ever tried to find out what the fuck is going on, you have to have not just expert opinions, but expert opinions from the other side of the world, especially those of Alice Fraser. Hello, Alice. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I don't know if I'm an expert on anything, but I am definitely on the other side of the world. Or maybe you are. Have you ever I'm thought on the about other side way? of the world. I am utterly staggered podcastees listen to this now because, I mean, as anyone who knows me knows, every time I press the kettle on, I am just I'm, I'm completely bemused as to how the water starts heating up. I can't believe it's going to work. I'm sitting here talking to Alice, but really I think she's probably in Nunhead. Which is an area. I mean, of South I, London, I am Alice. in Australia. <laughs> I, I am also bemused by the technology. I, although one of the things when you say I'm on the other side of the world, and I said no, you're on the other side of the world. I got a comment once on a YouTube video before I wised up and stopped people being able to comment on anything I do, uh, where somebody said I don't like this foreign woman, and I replied, "You're foreign," and he went, "No, I'm not." <laughs> Which. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. And they were English? Uh, I think probably American. I don't know. They were definitely foreign. Oh, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Now, Alice, tell us about Australia. I I know one thing about Australia. It is very early in the morning. Yes, it is very early. And here is my absolutely useless, ill-informed, speculative, ignorant opinion. Excellent. My favourite. I have wondered whether... In Australia at the moment, that there's sort of a lot of very liberal people, Sydney, you get the impression, Melbourne, Adelaide, where you are, that there's a lot of that there's a lot of those sort of, you know, I suppose exemplified by, uh, represented by sort of the Julia Gillard type uh, person. And then there are the absolute old-fashioned Australians, like fucking climate change, fuck it. Those people, Scott Morrison holding up a lump of coal. So what is, which side is winning? So, I mean, I think that is a um, an easily made 
misunderstanding of Australian politics, which actually falls within, despite the rhetoric, actually falls within an incredibly narrow band of sort of uh, moderate right, I guess. Uh, It's difficult to describe. Basically, Every single political party, uh, and the two major ones particularly, are in the pocket of big energy, particularly big coal. Uh, and so it's very hard to get these kind of things like the carbon tax. That's what rolled Julia Gillard um, was that she was putting right. this carbon tax in and basically just got slammed as a result. And 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 also because voting is compulsory, actually we trend towards quite a median in terms of like fairly conservative and like this old fa- like. Oh, there's an interesting thing. How does that affect things then? Well, the old-fashioned term conservative, people are here are quite comfortable for the most part. And so what you end up with is like a complacency, a, a sameness. People don't want big changes. They might talk like they want big changes, but most people will vote in the interests of a status quo, more or less, with a few little fiddly bits around here and there. So things like our refugee policy basically the same on both sides which is deeply depressing right. that they've sort of you know they like it's a little bit of fiddling around the edges but basically they agree on this incredibly brutal uh, refugee policy which just that at the moment well, you know one's in power and the other one isn't this is a model for conservative people here why can't we be like australia you have to in fact even when i was a kid i used to hear this why can't we be like australia you have to get 150 points or something like that. You know, you have to get so many points. You get points for being a plumber and points for being an electrician. And, uh, and, you know, and, you get, and if you're good at football, you get an extra three points and, and then you have to get your 150 points and then you come in. Um, I have no idea what that is in terms of like our refugee but policy. There's a point system and you get – yeah, well, no, yeah, with immigration oh, in general. I see. You know, you always, you often hear that people, people here go, in Australia, you can only go in here if you're going to be of some use to them. Not like over here where they let in any people who are going to win gold medals <laughs> in 5,000 metres. Do you have to be of some fucking use? Well, I mean, we used to have uh, the use that you were would be at being a convict. That was pretty standard in Australia when things started out. Um, now, we've, we've got all sorts of yes. different ways in. We have a one like refugee pathway where you can come into the country, but then they stick you in a country town for four years. So you kind of have to, because right. obviously, as with all countries, we have a brain drain from the country towns into the city. So what you end up is with these like... Like right. very well-educated people from different countries who are being persecuted for their ideas, just stuck in the middle of of Australia. Ideally, um, sort of breaking down some of the some of the racism inherent in all small country towns. Um, and sometimes it works. I think actually, I think it's a really. I mean, it's rough on the people coming, but I think it's a really good thing for the culture of Australia to have just. I like, think that's a great idea. I think they should do that here. I think we should have uh, refugees brought over here, even if they can't do anything, and they should be put in maybe um, the middle of Wiltshire. And I think within four or five years, there'd be all the locals would be going, well, they bloody made this place. They have all those bloody people from Syria. I was just in Armadale, and they have a massive uh, Yazidi population there, just a massive dump of Yazidi refugees. And everyone you talk to is doing speech therapy for the children or art classes for the young men to like help them deal yeah. with PTSD. And it's like all these wonderful government programs that are just pouring money into what might otherwise be you know, a struggling town. Armadale has its own things going. It's got a university and everything. But like, I just think that's a really nice thing that you end up with. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so, you know, I think most, I think that does happen in most places. I think that when when refugees 
uh, go to a I know there was this sort of story in Croydon, which had a terrible sort of reputation, got a lot, lot better. But there used to be so Croydon is where I live in the borough of Croydon, and the uh, immigration office is there. So you get quite a few people who come over and they're stuck in Croydon because they have to go every day to the immigration office. And there was one particular bloke, I think he, I was reading about it in the local paper, I think he was from the Czech Republic and he was put in a quiet little cul-de-sac. And of course, it was a sort of place where everyone was moaning, bloody refugees. But then they saw this poor sod just stuck. And bit by bit, everyone in the street started to help him and started to look after him and make sure he didn't have any money. And when the when it became not just an item on the news, but an actual real living human being, they were really sweet to I him. I mean, that's always the case. It's individ- In each individual instance, you're like, oh, well, that guy's having a hard time. Let's help him out. It's just en masse the idea of refugees. And like, don't get me wrong, Australia's policies against refugees are pretty inhumane and we don't let a lot of people in. And the, the worst part of it is this kind of boat people emphasis, this weird sort of inhumane thing where we've said, I mean, to give the right wing the absolute most possible benefit of the doubt, their argument is that they don't want to encourage people, smugglers, to send people over on these rickety boats because they're yeah, drowning yeah. in the ocean, right? That's their argument. How sincere it is, I cannot, I can't speak to. I'm, I'm, I am I'm, have a feeling that it's probably not purely humanitarian motives that is uh, driving that argument, but I'm not going to question it. Even like on the face of that, the, the tactic that they use to discourage people from coming over on boats is, <laughs> is just... Uh, inhumane display of torture. They put people in these horrible camps and they give the women like one period item a day that they have their period and it's like it's just gross. It's like it doesn't need to be this horrible. A, it doesn't need to be. That's an extraordinary technique. Yeah. The way, In order to stop the people smugglers trafficking people on dangerous boats, we will refuse to give them any tampons when they get here. Yeah. It's, and that is going to help them not get on their rickety so boats. So when you come into Sydney High, I catch the ferry often from where I live into the city and you go past this place called Fort Denison, which is a sandstone-built little fort island. And what they used to do was they would hang people, criminals, uh, on Fort Denison so that boats oh, coming right, in yes. would see these bodies hanged and, and whatever, mutilated. I don't know what the, the punishments used to be, but they would see this display of cruelty and it was a warning. And I cannot believe that we have not evolved past that. Like morally, it's so wrong to use people instrumentally. No one would say that we're treating these people well. We're treating them badly, not even in order to treat them badly. We're treating them badly in order to tell other people something, which is so fucked. Like I just can't get over how fucked that is. Yeah. And that's not got any better then since the election. Fundamentally, no. No, they haven't closed down these these camps. So Adelaide, how far is that from Sydney? Because you were saying about going into Sydney Harbour. So Sydney- but I'm sort of because here, because here, you, well, you know Britain very well. You know, you people talk about oh, I used to live in Reading and then I moved to London or whatever, and it's it's like twenty minutes on the train away. But that's not the case with Adelaide and Sydney. No, so, uh, Adelaide's about uh, two hours' flight away from Sydney. I, uh, Sydney is my hometown. I'm here just for a week to do the Adelaide Fringe. Um, but to drive, um, 
it's like what it'd be 14 hours drive from Adelaide to Sydney. I don't think you could drive. I don't think there's anywhere that's 14 hours drive. If you start maybe including boats and that going to the Isle of Lewis or something like that. There's no you couldn't you can't you just go you'd have to start coming back again. It's that and that's and that's quite close, isn't it? Like what about Perth? Uh Perth is a couple of there weeks must be drive. Who never go to about a week. A couple of weeks. It's about a week, I think. Let me, I, I'm not sure, but it's like it's 10 hour, 11 hours to Brisbane, which is where my brother lives. It's about eight or nine hours from Sydney to Melbourne uh, driving. Um, but again, like an hour flight. And then, yeah, 41 hours driving to Perth from Sydney. Who put anywhere there then? <laughs> I think they. <laughs> that's people who are really, really bad. Look, it's not enough that you've you've been you've really you've stolen loads of shit. You're not just staying in this populated bit. You're going another forty-one hours drive away. You are. Well, look, no, it was it was uh, Van Diemen's Land was Melbourne, which was where they sent the bad the bad convicts. That was the terrible place to go. Right, a lot of flogging people to death and everything. There was obviously in every shit pile. There's a hierarchy of shit. Uh, there was a there was a chap um, who escaped from uh, the the most like ruinously awful colony in Van Diemen's Land, and he walked out. I think his name was Pierce or Pearson, and uh, he walked out with five people and just into the bush and didn't know how to survive at all. And then uh, he they they found him sometime later, and he'd eaten everyone. He said he'd eaten all his um, fellow escapees. Uh, and then, like a little while later, he escaped again, <laughs> and they found him like a few days later, already starting to eat his colleague. Like he just because they thought. So he found someone else. Well, they all thought he was oh, lying. You're the fellow who ate everybody. Yeah, 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 no, they thought he was lying because they they thought, oh, he was just covering for the other ones who had properly escaped. But apparently, no, he, oh, he had see. eaten them. Oh, I see. Yeah. Why is this not a? Hollywood film. <laughs> I don't. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's like if you read the story of it, it's pretty. Like, there's a point where they're like both trying not to fall asleep, and there's one axe between them, kind of situation. Like this. Like it was pretty brutal. That is so Australian. Yeah. I mean, like, here, the here, it, I don't know what the miserable version of it here would be. You know, one of them broke into a shed, and I don't know, tried to eat a bloke's lawnmower. <laughs> I, but to eat <laughs> to eat each other. <laughs> Oh, there should be a musical. Write it. <laughs> oh, my God. And are you taught all this sort of stuff in school then? Oh, no, no. We're, we're taught a – well, there's a, obviously there's always politics about what you get taught in school. We, my generation was taught about sort of the Indigenous people and some of the massacres – and then there we was like double cannibalism on a Monday morning. No, double cannibalism. We, we but we learned a little bit, and then there was this big like backlash to that kind of teaching. That it was a black armband view of history. Once they started talking about these kind of um, mistreatment of the indigenous people stuff, uh, uh, you know, it's it's all the same. This kind of these arguments go round and round. Yes, I'm not sure that you know. I mean, Britain's done. We've we've uh, we've behaved very very badly in Britain, but I think. Cannibalism, luckily, is on the way now. Uh, Well, I think think what Britain's contribution to cannibalism was to put people in circumstances where cannibalism was their only option. I feel like that. Oh, blame (laughs) us. Blame us because you can't stop eating each other. (laughs) So, Alice, where can we come and see you? Obviously, it would take a slight palaver 
uh, if you're living in England. But but I will be back at the Adelaide Festival. I'll be. I'm at the Adelaide oh, yeah, Festival yeah, yeah. for but a where week. Are you at the Adelaide Festival because we will have listeners in Australia. Yes, I'm uh, at seven thirty at the Howling Owl from the uh, until the fourth of March. That's just this weekend, and then I will be in Melbourne for the full month of the Melbourne Fring- uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival. I'll be in the Trades Hall. Then from the twenty second of May. No, uh, I'll be in Sydney at the Sydney Comedy Festival in the beginning half of May, second half of May I'll be in London, and then all of June and July I'll be in London, so keep an eye out um, for that. Oh, I will. Come and say hello. And uh, it sounds brilliant fun that you're doing comedy in Australia, like a month in each town, one by one. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice if you if you never want to feel like you have a home. <laughs> this is the thing about gigging in the UK is you can just get up and down. Like you can go to the top of the UK and back down for lunch. It's great. Yeah, 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 I do. I come back from almost anywhere, really, rather than stay over. Nothing against those places, but I'd rather be back. Yeah, well, it's not worth going to Brisbane unless you're going for two weeks. It's not worth going to Perth yeah, yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless Perth. It's lovely. It's, and it's lovely. Funny hard, and it's funny hard pitches for fast bowlers. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Alice Fraser. And bless you. And uh, all go and see her. In fact, I think we should all go. That would really surprise all the people who follow this podcast. Go to uh, the Adelaide Festival and watch her there. Thank what you. What a surprise that would be. That would be such a surprise. Um, but if you can't do that, you can get all of my shows on my Patreon for free. Patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. They're all there. Thank you. It's a year now since Russia invaded Ukraine and the tensions between Russia and the West are getting as bad as in the days of the Cold War. But it did bring to mind a little-known story about Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth. And who better to tell it than the man who witnessed it firsthand, Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chislehurst Cartography. Do you know what the most remarkable thing about Her Majesty, on top of everything else, and I think very few people are aware of this... (laughs) even these days, is that, you know, she was the most wonderful ballerina. Quite remarkable. Most, oh, as elegant as a swan. And it it all began, you see, in 1961 or some such year, when uh, that chap Nureyev defected from from, uh, Russia during the Cold War or some such. And MI5 were a little bit concerned because the Russians were getting rather sort of uppity as they used to do in those days. And uh, and they said, well, if only we could give them something in return, then that might cool cool matters somewhat. And imagine she said, I'll do it. Out of it, she said. She was just sort of part of her civic duty, you see. And she went straight out to Moscow, and she took part in the Bolshoi Ballet over a, a nine-week season in Moscow. And uh, absolutely glorious, she glided through the air like a hummingbird, and her crown stayed on her head throughout. And she did the entrechat tours or something of that nature, and plies, and <laughs> absolutely. And Khrushchev was so taken with her, they become the best of friends. And then, sometime after that, of course, uh, when tensions were so so great that the, uh, I mean, there was a sort of threat of Cuba missile crisis and what have you, and she pursued persuaded Khrushchev to withdraw his missiles from Cuba by performing the most wonderful ballet that was an allegory of peace. And um, and he was so taken, he was absolutely in tears down his little bald head. And he just said, you know... <laughs> <laughs> and he took the missiles straight out, put them on, put them, put them on a canoe, and sailed them 
<laughs> oh, no, peace was secured. What a remarkable woman she was. What the fuck is Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. I, re- I know I say this every week, but I really thank you so much because without you, I, I don't. Well, we'd have to. I don't know what we'd have to. We'd have to do an entirely different podcast that cost we we could do for free. Like I'd just have to stand in the garden and just shout it, and then whoever wanted to hear it would have to come round to the bottom of my garden and hear it from there. And that probably, when you take into account travel cards and all that. It's probably a lot more expensive than paying for Patreon, isn't it? So it is because of you that we can continue this quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you would like to join these wonderful, virtuous, radiant people for as little as £2 a month, follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com, www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Or, if you really want to know what's going on in an extra special deluxe way, for £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended interviews, bonus sketches. This week, there's Fred Truman talking about the fruit and vegetable shortage. Very, very, very important. I think it's also going to be an article in The Spectator. And you'll get discounts on live shows, details of which are coming up in a minute. Also, you'll get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else, who has to skulk around the streets waiting like a vagabond for Saturday. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. Now it has come to the time of the week that people long for, that people itch and scratch for and and crawl around the floor rearranging cushions so uneasy and anxious they are. The announcements, and uh, I can't, I can't really think that there are any announcements, <laughs> but there must be. Don't forget, wherever you are, if there's a fire, don't forget to leave through the door, uh, or or something like. I'll leave some way or other, uh, you know, if the, not if the door's the bit that's on fire. Uh, thank God for that. There is a live show. That's a very, very important announcement. A live show on Sunday, March the nineteenth. Tickets are twenty pounds plus the usual booking fee paraphernalia uh, with discounts for higher tier patreon supporters and it's at the leicester square theater in london's glittery gleaming leicester square where there'll probably be johnny Depp there and stuff to get there early um you know cameron diaz and people like that jennifer lawrence they're all coming but there are some tickets left uh it will be sold out but there are some tickets left so be one of the people that gets the tickets uh and not one of the people that goes oh for fuck's sake it's sold out because um, you, you've got ADHD and you forgot to look at the thing until the day before. Um, so that's at 7pm on Sunday, March 19th at the Leicester Square Theatre. Uh, and yeah, I've got some live shows coming up uh, as well. Sort of, you know, just me not talking about what the fuck is going on, although it might creep into it. And they're going to uh, all over the country. So uh, here we are. I'll just read a few of them out. Brighton, Brighton on June the 3rd. Uh, that's at the Theatre Royal, beautiful, great big Theatre Royal place there, lovely in Brighton. And you can go, if you get bored, you can go and do some uh, cold swimming or something. No, no, it'll be June, it'll be warm swimming. Uh, and that's the, and then there's the Hackney Empire, that's on June the 8th, huge place that, lovely. 
uh, Hackney. Who doesn't like Hackney? And then the Croydon, Croydon, the Fairfield Halls, where there'll be loads of people who know me, and people go, uh, you know, and then all week before, people will sort of shout at me as I'm going up to the shop and that, and going, "You better not be shit." So that's always fun. And uh, yeah, there we are. I think that's May the May the twenty seventh, or it's one of those days. Um, if you go, the Fairfield Halls is really, really good quality stuff. So if you go on the wrong day, you'll you will see something. You'll see, uh, uh, you'll I don't know who will you see the Baron Knights. I don't know. <laughs> they they still going. Oh dear, what a terrible old reference. You'll see Arthur Askey. Right, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account as well as on Twitter, wanted to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. Roddy Walker on Twitter asked, what the fuck is a 15-minute city? I don't know, but it's loads of people seem... I don't know, but loads of people seem to be arguing about it. Now, I've only just discovered this on account of looking it up because of what you say. So, for example, I found this article. Far-right protesters, of course, them again, in the UK, claim that Oxford's traffic control plan part of a 15-minute city. It's part of a global authoritarian plot. <laughs> That's what they're saying. I I quite like the new right-wingers. I mean, the old ones were mostly racists and anti-Semites or whatever in the old days. But now they're all like, they're making us wear masks and, and they're making Oxford's traffic control plan go the wrong way round. <laughs> that's a fun, that's a really fun right wing. I think as long as they stick to things like that, that's all right. Do you know all the people, right, all the people who are saying, all the people who say don't walk on on thin ice, that's part of a right wing plot. They're trying to control your mind, right, because they don't want you to fall in the ice, which is safe, and the cold water just like illuminates your mind and then, as the neurons start to freeze, you start to understand all about how they're using masks over the face so that they so that you can't say anything about how they've never been to the moon. It is well, according to the rest of this article, it is the year 2049, and residents of the UK city. Oh no, mad right wing. It's the year 2049, and residents of the UK city of Oxford are unable to leave their neighbourhoods. If they do, a network of cameras installed years earlier under the guise of easing traffic congestion. Yeah, it's the slippy slope. That's what it is. It starts with Oxford City Council putting up cameras so that they can see where the most cars are so that mayor might need an extra traffic light. And it ends with it being like the handmaiden's tale, except we all have to wear them things and we're all beaten to death for looking left when we should be going right in Oxford. Uh, at Sir Tomalot on Twitter says, what the fuck is going on with the English language? We have fingertips, but not toe tips. We can tiptoe but not tip finger. Fingertips, toe tips on with you, but you can't tip finger because tiptoe is, you walk on tiptoe, don't you? But you wouldn't walk on your tip fingers. If you did walk on your tip fingers, I think it'd be legitimate to say you were tip, you were tip fingering. That's probably got unpleasant connotations, not for this particular podcast, but for others. Uh, Nick Taylor on Twitter asked, what the fuck is going on with the adverts on the podcast for Keep Britain Tidy, telling people to put fag butts in the bin, when this government keeps crapping in our rivers? How dare they take any moral high ground over us, which I think is how Nick Taylor talks. But you're right, Nick Taylor. What 
right do they have to assume the moral high ground? Put is that what it says? The adverts on the podcast put fag butts in the bin. Now I think I know why they they say put fag butts in the bin. It's because when the bin is full up of fag butts, they can then drive it down to Bexhill and tip the fag butts in the sea in the middle of all the turds and tampons. That's what they want to do. That's And you know where it's starting? Oxford. They take it up to Oxford as part of the 15-minute city. They want fag butts and turds that have been tipped into the River Thames to be able to get anywhere in the city within 15 minutes. That's what they're doing. Use your brain. Think. No one who has ever tried to find out what the fuck is going on has managed to do so without, in the space of one podcast, speaking to someone from Adelaide while they are in South London, and and then almost immediately afterwards, talking to their own 26-year-old son, who's in Las fucking Vegas. This is so extraordinary. I know to you, Elliot Steele, it won't mean anything because it's the modern world. But to me, bearing in mind that I grew up in Kent, and I said to my dad once, can we ever go to France? And he went, ha, <laughs> <laughs> you hear what he said? Can we go to France? And you could fucking see France from Kent. I'm talking to you now in Las Vegas. Hello, Elliot Steele. Hello. Uh, what's happening there then? I'm yeah, amazed. Nice. Be amazed. What, what do you mean? Be amazed that we're talking to each other and you're in Las Vegas. Yeah. Just pretend to be amazed. Well, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm amazed. Can you see the desert? Can you see Joe Pesci? What can you see? Oh yeah, it's 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 one of the most incredible cities I've ever been to because it's massive. I didn't realize how big it was. Right, like it's it's huge. Yeah, because I thought it was just one long strip of sort of massive well, built I, casino. That's what I thought, um, and it kind of is one long strip of massive built casinos, but that you don't realize the size of them. Right, like Caesar's Palace. So you you look at Caesar's Palace, sort of from where I am, I'm, and you go, "Oh, that's walkable." But it's, it's about a forty-five minute walk. <laughs> but it, it doesn't look like that. Like the, the entire city is. But so basically, on the strip, it there's these walkways that you have to go up because the entire place is designed for cars. Oh right. So it's it, the whole. You know, you know, in London, like we're all talking about pedestrianising it and these fifteen-minute cities, and then you come here and they've just gone fuck that. that <laughs> like, like genuinely, I reckon if you went to the mayor or whoever is the mayor of Las Vegas and went, "Why don't we have like make it for bicycles?" They'll just go, "No." They'd actually come out in a statement and go, "That's really gay," they'd, they'd, <laughs> and that would be that. That's what they'd say. They'll just come out and be like, "No, that is gay." And then if you went, oh, don't you think that's a bit homophobic?" They'll go, "Yeah, probably." And then they'll just crew, you know, just tuck into like a, a bacon sandwich. They wouldn't give a shit. Like, so they no... would, where, where we pedestrianise city centres, they sort of like car carise pedestrians. Hey, have you seen this? There's a bit here where you can't fit a car in it. Let's get an automobile in there. Fuck it. Let's have a. Hey, you got to go to the bathroom by walking up the stairs? Fuck that. Let's have a four-lane auto route. No, but th- this is it. Like, so Las Vegas, uh, I, this is what I've come to realize. It is, the, it is the capital of capitalism. Like, there is nowhere 
more that there's I haven't been anywhere that just exudes capitalism as much as Las Vegas. And it's just disgusting and it's gross. But when you get here, you're like, oh, I get it. Like, I completely understand this. This is the best thing ever, even though it's also the worst. Like, we... We we deserve to be nuked. We deserve like it it has to happen. You can't have this. It's not on. It's not okay. So are there people in the sort of uh, in the in in the ground floor just chucking in like hundreds of dollars in the fruit machines like you see in the films? What's amazing, right? Is so I was up like. I, I tripled my money on the blackjack on from right. like 40 to like 120. And then Milo McCabe, uh, who all week has bang on about how, look, we all like come and play craps. Believe me, like this game works because as we know, gambling, gambling always just works. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great you, way yeah. to make money. It's, yeah, you can't and lose. So, so like me and everyone who had just gone up, went over to his table and like lost immediately <laughs> and you just go oh my god it's just designed that like that you'll win but they'll make it back they'll get they like there is no you know they, there's no clocks you you actually lose track of time when you're in the casino like you don't know it could be it could be 5 p.m it could be 5 a.m there's no windows there's no clocks like everything, everything is designed. So, I was, so because I'm here with a bunch of comedians chatting to a, a really nice bloke, a good comic called Matt Gershon, who like lives in LA, and he was telling me that like he plays Vegas a couple times a year, and he goes, when you do the clubs here, they're like super strict on set times because when you know, because in in the casinos, there's all sorts of. To, to entice you to stay at a hotel, there's all sorts of different shows. So right, like yeah, in, yeah. in in the MGM, there's just like a comedy club. Right. And uh, he goes, they're super strict on set times because they're aware while people are in the comedy club, they're not at the tables. Well, that's quite a relief because I thought that you'd be at the comedy club and they'd still be going through while they're playing, playing roulette while you're on. Oh, no, good damn well with that table. Oh, no, the fucker's just won bloody $400 on black. Yeah, roulette's good fun. That's that's like a proper Isn't fun game. Isn't it so game. quick, though? That's what I felt. When I went to a casino a few years ago in uh, San Remo in Italy, and... Uh, I thought it would be like it is in the Bond films that the ball goes in and then it very in slow motion it goes clinky 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 and somehow it defies science and goes at an eighth of the speed and you watch it and you watch it and it rolls and oh is it gonna go is it gonna go oh just me but it's just like boom chum pay boom next one super efficient. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, is every now and then you do win. So, uh, you know, I was covering like a few numbers and then they would come in every now and then. So then you, so it keeps you there. Uh, hang on, um, I'm starting to worry now. How much have you lost? Am I going to have to sell this house? Oh, no, I haven't. Like, I've like basically, like, uh, I've still got like a hundred and something left. But Out of how much? Uh, that, that's a bad. About- that's a bad way of looking at it. I've got a hundred and something left. If you started out with a hundred and something, and you've got a hundred and something left, no, because I've been like going out, out with like eighty-five 
million no, dollars. That's I, what Liz, well, Liz Truss probably does that. Liz Truss probably went, I've still got a hundred and something left. <laughs> no, but I, I started with like 800 and something. Right, so, so you've lost and, like, $700. I've been here nearly a week and I've been eating, you know, it's fine. I've been out oh, eating. Oh, that's including all your food and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank fuck for that. I thought you'd lost $700 to these. No, no. I mean, I, like on the first night, I went out with 200 and came back with 200 and it had right. like a big meal and like drinks and stuff like that um and like you know the first night yeah the first night I was at like in the casino i was there till like five in the morning um and that was that was fun but then eventually gambling just sort of comes a bit tiring yeah but it does it, it's not um it was fun earlier sitting at a blackjack table and thought, oh, and then, you know, doing like a poker tournament, things like that was all good fun. But I would, I think if I was, the, I would love to come here again and do it a bit differently. But I also think that you have to come to this city once in your life because then you just go, <laughs> like, you, you just go, oh, like, this is the thing with America. America does so much bad in the world. America gets such a bad rap. But then when you come here, you're like, oh, I get it. You're like, yeah, yeah, no, I just, I just get it. But that's, that's the beauty of it is you're like, you know, you sit there and be like, oh my God, America meddles in affairs of other countries, massively racist. It gets people in debt for health insurance. And then you come here and you're like, yeah, I get it. There is all of that, but also but on the other hand, they've got a casino with no clocks. Yeah, but so, also, no, oh, the, the invasion of Guatemala in the nineteen fifties can fuck itself. Yes, slightly because you you go you go. Oh, that waitress just brought me a a, a bloody mary, and she was smiling about it. <laughs> so have you seen anything have you been to see anything yeah we saw a couple i went to uh the worst show i've ever seen actually um called the tournament of kings um <laughs> oh where, like, sounds people, fantastic where they it's like this joust. medieval they actually yeah, joust they do. indoors no yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh it was it was so brilliantly bad. One, the best bit about it was the main actor in it couldn't be fucked. I swear to God, Dad, I'm not making it up. At one point, <laughs> as they were doing this jousting tournament, I saw him go to the other actor. I'm going for a cigarette. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is not a big glitzy sort of. In a big glitzy place where Tom Jones or Elvis no, would want no, to be. No, no, no. This is in Excalibur, which is not a big glitzy place. It is, <laughs> it is. Um, so like MGM are like the main casino. So everything's yeah. either owned by Caesars or MGM. So like MGM, I think like they own like they they'll own like Excalibur, the Luxor, Mandalay Bay, all the way up to uh, the Bellagio. So these people, they know what they're doing. They build, they don't just go like, oh, we own one high rolling casino, you know. They'll mm. then build a place that, like, that where, like, they, they want everything covered, these people. That's what's amazing about it. It's amazing that one of the most iconic films of, of all cinema history, or two films of all cinema history, The Godfather, Godfather 2, pretty much is, a, is an account of, 
all of the horror that went into this. And they go, yeah, it's not like an expose. And then anyone's gone, yes, we must crack down on this. They've just gone, yeah, that's how it was built. Amazing, yeah, but it? that's what's amazing about it is that when you come in, you just you you because that you go to old Vegas, right? The the older where it used to be, and there's like a the old strip there. It's incredible. It's just chaotic. But it's, what it's is old pretty- Vegas then? Is that like is there a little like post office and and there's a, little, a couple well, of little old ladies who run a little bar? Oh yes, it's all changed around here, you know. <laughs> Well, no, oh, just, I mean, we, just... sell, we sell hardly any scones these days. It's all burgers. It's all different, isn't it? I mean, we've had to have a fruit machine put in behind the teapot. But it's, it's just on the main... It's just like there's the main strip. Well, I'm pretty sure Old Vegas is on uh, is on the main strip. We we got a... There's a lad I'm with, you know, Craig Ricketts, who... Uh, right. Ooh, uh, we got a cab back and the cab guy was trying to rip us off, me and Ricketts, and they got into this argument. Uh, and Craig's this big Geordie fella, and the guy started yelling at Craig, and Craig did the most Geordie thing I've ever seen, where he went, mate, if you're talking to me like that, you better be concealing. <laughs> 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 the Geordies that took on the, the, the that's probably connected to the mob that that driver. They're probably oh, all just the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but would you ever come out here? Would you, you got no interest? No, I would. I would love to. I would love to uh, do loads of things in America because I agree. I think it's amazing. And we went there when you were little, didn't we? And loads yeah. of things. We did loads of things. And I remember once on my birthday going to a diner in San Francisco and there were all balloons and it was about eight in the morning and someone come over and, and went, hi, it's our Independence Day. Because my birthday's on Independence Day. It's Independence Day. What are we having for breakfast? And up come all these pancakes and then we put sort of Chuck Berry on the on the jukebox. And I remember thinking this couldn't be more perfect. And uh, yeah, like you, I thought, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the fucking uh, overthrowing Mossadegh and bloody Vietnam and all that. But look at this. Yeah, but that's and, it. Uh, <laughs> that's that's it. It 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 makes you when you get here, you go because I think you can sit there and you you know hate on America and Americans for their their attitude and all of the problems in in a lot of the world. But then when you come here, you're like, oh right, no, it's. It's worth it. <laughs> that is a magnificent place on which to uh, end uh, our roving our roving reporter. Next week, Elliot will be in Vanuatu. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Elliot Steele. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, please write a review. If you can't be bothered then uh, spend hours writing a review uh, in several languages. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod. 
at WTF is going on pod. And we will look at all the messages that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? It was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Alice Fraser and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. Written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? was brought to you by WTF Productions. 